Hey, how's it going? It's Doug Bird here, your host of the Something Fresh podcast, where we talk about all things sport, adventure, and lifestyle. To bring these conversations to life, we connect with people who make things happen in this space, be they industry leaders, athletes, influencers, or progressive thinkers, to name a few. I'm super passionate about this subject, not only because of its ever-changing dynamics, but also because of the role that it plays in our daily lives. The aim of the show is simple. Create an environment where people can learn through the experiences of others, be they established role players or new kids on the block, and hopefully through that, become inspired into action in some way. If that's not up your alley and you're simply here to listen to interesting conversations, then that's cool too. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. It's great to be sitting in our outdoor studio, this time with Matt Beers. Those of you that have been following the channel for a while would have known that Matt was one of the first three people we kicked off our podcast with. And if you're interested to catch up in detail um, on what that conversation was all about, it was, it was almost unpacking Matt's journey to the point of where he is now as a professional mountain biker, arguably one of the most dominant mountain bikers in the men's category in South Africa at the moment. Uh, between him and Alan, they're doing all the good things. And the last time we chatted to, to Matt was right at the beginning of hard lockdown of, of COVID, so just on a year ago. And a lot's happened between then and now. Team changes, um, obviously not much racing, but one thing is clear, Matt has emerged on the other side of COVID or wherever the hell we are in this COVID journey. And uh, the guns are blazing. Uh, so yeah, Matt, welcome. Thanks. Happy to be back chatting with you guys. And um, yeah, about now we're a year down on this crazy roller coaster and I think we've got a lot to unpack. We do. I'm excited. J-Dog, are you excited? No, you... I'm stoked to be here. always like being out in the, the outdoor studio. <laughs> you, you're getting vibe. really in touch with it today. No shoes yeah, on. Just no shoes, uh, sitting on the ground. Soaking just... up the potassium. Yeah, that's what it's about. Breathing in the wild air. <laughs> <laughs> Please avoid the block of cheese that's falling from yeah. the sky right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I mean, we've been watching uh, Matt. We've been yeah broadcasting a lot of cross-country events recently, and Matt's been making it really hard to to broadcast the entire field <laughs> because he yeah, puts a, I was half a say, lap between you, him and you've been else. you've been watching Matt. You mean you've been running yes, your yeah. lights out, trying to running keep around, up with him? To Matt. Yeah, he's been putting on a good show, and definitely keen to yeah carry on the conversation from from last year that you had with him, and yeah chat more about where he's at this year, what's uh, what's making him tick so so quickly. And yeah, what's in store down the line? We know there's a big, big race on the horizon this week. Yeah. The 2021 Cup Sony to see, and I'm sure you've got your sights very, uh, very firmly set on that guy. Yeah. No. I mean, I missed out on Sony last year. Um, we didn't do it at the end of the year, which I was bleak about. Um, I think I was the only guy in the team that actually wanted a race. Everyone was over it. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't. Everyone drew straws, and I was the only guy who took one. So. I'm to be back racing and um, come whatever the conditions, it's a f fantastic race and I always love doing it and um, yeah, just keen to do another stage race again. I think we've only done one since COVID, which was PE Plate. So most of your racing has been, well, I saw a lot of gravel stuff last year. Yeah, gravel, geez, I can't even remember what last year was. I think there was only like four races, I think. And then obviously we've had xcos and all the shorts but we haven't had really some nice stage races so yeah keen on getting back into that rhythm what well, do you prefer the stage races to the to the shorter form races i i mean i'd love any racing it's more to, riding yeah to me i don't care throw me in a road race time trial stage race it doesn't matter to me i, I think 
the more you can do in the sport, the better. I mean, why? I don't know why these guys, especially youngsters, also just sit on one discipline. I think you should definitely diverse yourself in all the disciplines. I think it makes you a better overall rider, to be honest. Even if you don't like a road bike, just just race it. I mean, it, it actually teaches you a lot. Mm. Well, so, yeah. well, one showing that impressed me last year was uh, when you arrived at the Enduro Western Cape with uh, 100 mils of travel. Yeah, 100, yeah. <laughs> and still got a top 20. Yeah, the, the peak of <laughs> peak of your 2020 career, I suppose. 2020 race season. Rocking up, you beefed up the front tyre a bit. Yeah, I cheated. I put some big tyres on. Um, <laughs> cheated? You like, <laughs> yeah. Somewhat brought your bike but, up halfway to where the Enduro bikes were. Oh, that was a lot of fun. I th- hopefully, I can get a proper bike this year and maybe send a few. Guys would get would be very nervous they should be very nervous yeah, yeah if you're going to get onto a big rig and you have a couple of weeks on it i think the boys are going to start sweating a bit yeah i don't know uh, kind of i'm nervous for myself as well because i don't know i, I might get a little bit too sandy on it <laughs> too, too zesty that, on that, the big rig that's my main yeah. concern did but you, did you learn anything at the enduro like that as you say each discipline teaches you a bit is there anything that you came out of that with that you're like oh that's interesting good to note i mean just like Obviously, racing a descent mm. is a lot different than just like, just in, like for speed, the way yeah. we race a descent. Mm. You're not like 180. Yeah. You're recovering. Mm. So to switch that to where you're going like an average of 190 on the descent <laughs> with like adrenaline and just going full gas, it was actually quite a. I think it helped a lot for like the cross country because mm. you're kind of going in there on the red line and um, also just kind of being out of your comfort zone like doing that and then it helps me when i look at other things that were scared like that scared me a little bit now i'm like oh you know what i'm actually capable of that yeah so i think that definitely helps that's rad that's pretty cool i was stoked that matt rode because he borrowed my knee guards and i've worn them since and i'm at least 10 percent faster now yeah, they must have absorbed something <laughs> sweat i don't know whatever it was but can't wash them bro definitely fast no i'm not gonna no, no. brawn them once i'm saving them for first race of the season it's going to come in pbs yeah everywhere so the season's kind of just kicked off again now post covid well not right now in the last couple of months which has been great but a lot of athletes we've seen in different shapes and forms quite literally because uh some 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 people struggled with lockdown more than others and look let's be real it was harsh on everyone and each to their own and there's no perfect science or things you should or shouldn't have done um but matt you've come out of it really strong and one of the podcasts you also did in season one was chatting with your coach john wakefield how was that journey for you of moving through COVID? because in terms of your training but also with that mental stress at one point you were adrift in terms of team and what was going to happen next talk us through that a bit yeah i mean the lockdown scenario was obviously it was gnarly for everyone and I think that was for me that was kind of what helped me is that it's it's like the same mentality when it when it rains at a race everyone is riding in the rain everyone has to deal with it the shit conditions there's nothing you can change it's the same as lockdown there there's nothing we could change and it's just time for you as a person and an athlete to adapt and mm. you just have to adapt to the situation and um i think not overthink it the classic take it day by day it's quite it is literally all that you just freaking tick off that one ride and then i think what a lot of people were doing is that they were looking so far into the 
into the future and how long it's going to take and then that just it mentally cracks you it was it's, such a mess you couldn't really set your goal on exactly anything, yeah. that people were setting goals and i was just like just train just train as hard as you can and because it will eventually ease up and my whole thing was when it eases up i want to be the strongest guy out there when it does lift so that was kind of my goal and you think coming out of it you're the strongest you've ever been i definitely like the first races back i wasn't i was maybe a bit like overcooked like just from training too much because there's nothing else to do so i maybe rode a little bit too much but then I don't know, maybe for this year, 21, maybe that like massive load on the trainer and all that has kind of carried over. I think it's it's definitely carried over to this year. I mean, that's how it works in cycling mm. and sport. Your, like your body progresses every year on the load that you it adapts from. So I think definitely could have something to do with that. It's like it's never a waste session. It's assuming you're obviously training smart and you're not overtraining. But yeah. if you're training in a productive manner with a coach, it's like every session is like putting a bit of cash in the bank, you know, and yeah. you, you just, it does. It builds up over time to the point where your baseline fitness just becomes immense. I'd imagine that that lockdown period was a really solid time to just build that base yeah volume no no racing pressure no distractions you can't yeah. go and can't really get sick well besides from covid itself but you can't you're not going out to places and meeting people so you pretty much your health will be in order you you can just smash it every day you can recover properly i think a lot of athletes i've seen you know they want to go with their mates and they want to go out and do this and then go hike there and then it all adds up and actually detriments your but just riding recovering riding recovering you get into that like monk vibe <laughs> where you just like this is all my life has come to and this is all it is and then uh, it was actually quite cool I, I actually enjoyed it near the end it's <laughs> almost stoic in a way and that life becomes so simplified yeah you're exactly just ticking off these tasks every day it was actually very simple yeah so all this training happening and what bikes and all these other painful machines that people put into their homes i'm proud to say i did not have one of those in my homes during yeah. lockdown and that's why i came out in a different shape and I form i saw a couple pictures <laughs> no that's that's a resistance trainer and that thing after i mean it's about seven years old and after tyron and his immense weight's been on it all the bearings are done so it's out. basically just spins yeah, for you the wheel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> um but so what's what's off the bike when you're chilling are you like a playstation junkie do you like cooking do you like aerobics knitting like knitting cards gambling um, crypto what what, what does yeah. Matt do when he's chilling i like to go on hikes and stuff um my girlfriend kaylee she kind of hates me for it because i always say oh we're gonna go for like a little 5k hike and she doesn't know where we're going, so I can always manipulate it to like 10 or 12 if I need <laughs> to. And and with friends, they no longer come hiking with me, so I'm pretty much a lone ranger nowadays. But I like doing that, going to the beach. Um, I like to... I normally, before I sold my car, I don't have transport. I did. I normally do bike fittings, mm -hmm. so that keeps me quite busy with ErgoFit. Um, goes through ranges, but yeah i try and keep myself busy and hustle a little bit so knowing bike fittings as well as you do at face value 
could I act, do I actually have a chance of fitting on a bike comfortably or am I just too tall? Oh. You just say it how it is. Man. I think we we are on the same boat and it's <laughs> we're always going to look pretty terrible on a bike unfortunately but because I'm not going to a hundred mil stem on my enduro bike not a chance <laughs> <laughs> exactly so if you can suck up a little bit of back pain it's fine yeah it'll be all right fine. well yeah it's got to the point now where I've probably got to have a fusion so yeah maybe Pricey if you get pay. a Santa Pricey Cruz pay. don't Santa Cruz make like a triple or quadruple XL but that's the funny thing is they I think do that's but the on, only way on the numbers it's, it's actually the same as like a oh, okay. Paga extra large or a giant it's, exactly it's know. just it's all about the the actual measurements yeah. you need you the can't, Nikolai 535 reach all the, the pole all the pole oh, yeah. yeah we're not going to get either do you know what your reach is on your your bike where uh, the reach number depends where you measure from because where would you measure from so like with the bike foot we go from is the middle of the crank mm -hmm. to the bar or front or we can do from like the middle of the seat to yeah middle of the seat post horizontal okay i don't even know what that would be i haven't we don't do that method anymore so okay. i'm not too sure Short long. <laughs> you are running 150 mil stem from what i've seen 120 yeah Twenty. <laughs> that's unreal i've tried i've more tried to run travel <laughs> try to run less but my my qls in my back just literally one centimeter like this is how important bike fit is one centimeter and like basically become paralyzed halfway through xo wow my one leg like goes numb just from just being that little bit wrong too, too cramped, cramped up yeah so wow shows the importance of a well at like at our at the high level mm. Mm. obviously i mean anyone can benefit really yeah 100 yeah. so to, so so through covid now you're focused you're monk like you, you're not hiking or going to the beach because you're not allowed to yeah um you're in the zone and then i did you know when we did our first podcast that that i think you mentioned something afterwards that that nad was out formally but you were in talks with the new team was that that, that must yeah. have been a bit of was, was there a gap in time there where you weren't quite sure if there was a team coming up or a brand coming up to to sign you guys because for the most part it's almost the the nad team just shifted over mm. with Stu maria coming on board across yeah so basically um we were without nad had they needed to back off with the financial stuff and put it in a different place um due to covid and stuff so they i mean they still continue to pay us for like i think two or three months like even though they were we were allowed to go to a different team or whatever um so it's pretty much three months or two or three months that we were no it was two months yeah two months that we didn't really have anything um and then stuart murray had his sponsorship through type dev um his that was his like personal sponsor and then he yeah they happened to be keen on making a team and then basically signed we got in talks and then um we basically took yeah you know, the specialized sponsorship and then nico being he run the team so then him and stuart like kind of run the team together and then type dev give the ammo and the money and 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 that it looks like i see them on yeah. the jersey now they're back in yeah they've come back not 
not like obviously fully but they've come back as a partner and they're helping us out so that's, that's awesome it's nice to have them back obviously yeah they um we've shared a lot of success with them and yeah. to have them back is cool quite funny though before i knew what nad was i always thought it was a strange name for a team to be called the gonads <laughs> Because every time we saw these guys ride past us in a race, everyone was shouting, go Nad, go Nad. It's like, jeepers, that's a little bit offensive until I actually pieced two and two together. But, I mean, new it's new Africa developments, right? Yeah. And they're into mining and all of those types of things. Uh, property, property, building malls. Okay. So they'd have all the mall, like a lot of malls up country hmm. there near Nalspreit and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So property, basically, yeah. Well, a shout out to them um, and TypeDev for coming on board when things were at their most uncertain. Because yeah. it certainly, I mean, kept four of South Africa's top mountain bikers with, employed and yeah. able to, to come out of COVID fast. No, it was, I mean, they they saved us huge. I mean, it's mm. it's awesome that Dave Jacobs is the owner of TypeDev or one of the owners. Um, yeah, they're a software development company type dev itself and then nanotime is a a branch like company that they're trying to build on and um yeah it's they're a bad bunch of guys they're so passionate all the people like a lot of the people in the company just love riding and yeah it's since the team i mean i think we've it's just nice to have that backing mm. you know like from the guys are just like so amped for us when we do well and yeah it's it's pretty cool which is regularly <laughs> yeah we try and make it as regular as we can fair enough it is the job it is the job yeah oh j-dog's puzzling <laughs> he's just the passenger in the conversation that today that was uh, that was what we call a podcast hot potato j-dog's still juggling so i mean in terms of being part of a professional team um, and structure uh, the nature of of what you've got now with type dev nanotime slash nad specialized bikes on board there there are a lot of strong brands behind you and um, as athletes within that structure do you each have different roles that you need to play i'm talking over and above performance obviously there the baseline is guys we're out here as a professional team we need to do the best we can but how do the guys like as the team owners or at least the brands behind you measure success outside of that are they how much how much weight do they put on you know social engagements and your social media channels and so on i guess where i'm going with this question is you know, a lot of youngsters look up to you and as you were commenting before we we started recording you know um so much interaction on your stories and questions and all those kinds of things is it's something that i would say well we know isn't your favorite thing to do on socials like a lot of professional athletes you just want to get out there do your training race and yeah. do your job but that's evolved nowadays where you have to be present on digital and we've we've seen i would say a lot more activity coming from you in the last year and a half um do they see a lot of value on that do they put pressure on that do you, have you seen now the value in engaging with your with your followers more yeah it's i think it's a combination of both um I've definitely seen that I need to people well I was in a like a a space where I was like do people actually even want to see what I post like that's always a question like do people actually care or if I'm am I just like irritating mm. and then you can kind of slowly see that people are genuinely interested and um, if you produce not just like lame stuff like I would like to thank 
freaking you know whoever for <laughs> this and not just do like product posts it's yes. a, i think yeah that's a fine line of trying to get it right is not just boring people of like these obligated posts that you mm. have to do and trying to make it interesting yeah um, but type dev yeah they've definitely had a, a big push on the social media they know how important it is mm. and um they i think it's it's rad that they have actually like pushed us all to do it like we have to it's something we should be responsible for and um yeah i think it's getting better and um it's just not always easy though <laughs> no it's not and i suppose like i mean i would look maybe it's i'm kind of not surprised but when we put on on the instagram stories that we were going to be having a podcast with you to send through questions like we've got a lot of questions that came through but within that it just shows that there is a lot of community support for yourself and the team and, and others that are out there and doing all of this stuff like does that do you do you see that as kind of playing a bit of a motivational role, like a supportive role when you know things might not be going according to plan? That you've got your your fans that are there that are like totally behind you. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen it. This like especially this year after lockdown, I think people are a lot more they're following the sport a lot more, mm. obviously, and a lot of more people are getting into it. And you can definitely see on just the amount of random like friend requests i get and messages i get just of like from uh, russian you know just uh, no. no 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 yeah i mean those go and just delete. a sound from those that's a yeah. <laughs> that's but what like that's the other email <laughs> but just like asking simple questions on like tire mm. pressure or whatever and they like they say like yeah look up to you and that's most people do you're quite tall yeah i mean yeah this is true <laughs> especially me (laughs) like inspiring them to ride and you know all that type of stuff is it's pretty cool like that's that's kind of all i set out to do as if i can inspire people to ride and motivate people that's why i leave strava i mean i have so many people tell me like they get so motivated when they see what i do and then they want to go ride or do those routes and like to me that's that's all i want to achieve really like because i that's how i felt with guys like who i would look up to and to have people that feel the same way it's like that's quite a a cool feeling mm. and that's kind of what i wish to accomplish as a pro mountain bike and not just be this stuck up non-approachable guy that's been my main thing my whole just trying to be as approachable as possible that's yeah. pretty much my thing yeah, the value of being approachable and relatable is, it's its hard to measure, but it's so important as an athlete, or in general, I would say. Yeah. yeah. It's always going to serve you. Yeah. yeah if you, people can engage with you. and you know. In our sport, it's not, a lot of guys, it's not its not the case. So. I take themselves yeah. just a little bit too seriously. Okay. Yeah. Also, the chaps, I'll say that, I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of athletes over, over many, many years, and... I've met very few athletes and to be honest it's probably the only time that I've met athletes that are not even extroverted that are just kind of willing to talk it's come from like the cut of the Red Bull cloth in my time there because athletes for the most part that are non-mainstream sports it's such a lonely road like you are isolated I mean you're talking about being in a COVID situation you guys are like in this constant state of almost a a COVID lockdown scenario because you're for a lot of the time training by yourself you're then recovering you know it's not like 
training with all your mates playing rugby and the camaraderie and I suppose there's a team dynamic when you guys all get together yeah. to go to stage races and stuff like that and, and cross country events and national champs so that's that's a vibe but 90% of the time yeah, it's not every day it's a lonely road so as soon as it does come time to be like in front of camera and so on and, and doing those types of things it's it's actually really it's foreign because I, I used to be super harsh on Oaks like it'd be like come on chaps like you know this is your your opportunity like come on like, yeah, yeah here's the camera we're excited to talk to you kind of thing because i've been on the other side of it normally on the easy side and standing next to a camera with a microphone but um yeah i uh, i think there's some people that take themselves too seriously without a doubt but i think the majority for me of what i've come to learn they're actually just so shy man yeah, yeah it is it's very unfamiliar yeah. yeah you just get in this rut and you don't really it's you don't really see and talk to anyone and yeah, you become a bit of a recluse and it's it's very easy to get stuck into that. I mean, I've done it many times, but it's just finding the right moments to to break that, you know, that yeah. state and try and, you know, mingle with people and things like that. I've definitely that. noticed a lot of the guys and girls loosening up a bit now with the camera as we've been doing all the on-the-line stuff at the, at the cross-countries. The first couple of trials done trying to interview people they're not keen and like thought it was very formal and now it's just like everyone they yeah they're, they're with the program now and they're getting used to to speaking to the camera realizing it's not it's not as daunting yeah and, i think with you guys it's also it's helped a lot obviously you between doug and you guys it's um like you're approachable you don't find guys. me intimidating at all no you're not intimidating <laughs> no but Damn i'm it. saying like, like, really the but also the questions like you ask are not the mundane yeah like it's yeah. those you know when you have you know like a a guy that asks you some really lame ass question and you're just like mate what like so this is something that's interesting i learned from martin dreyer Mondre is the only per and he's fantastic in front of camera. He's the only he should be a politician because he's the only person that you'll ask a question and he won't he will not even listen to your question, he'll just tell you what he wants to tell you. <laughs> and that's my advice. If you're an athlete listening into this, don't ask answer the question you're being asked if there's something that you want to get across. Just speak because this that's your time. Yeah. So if there's true. It's a, uh, and I always in the beginning used to get so frustrated with Marty, be like, okay, guys, cut, we have to go again. Marty, can you answer the question? He's like, what do you mean, Dougie? I'm like, Marty, just answer the question. It's like, okay, cool, let's go, round two. Round seven, we're still there. Eventually, I'm like, okay, cool, it's <laughs> good, all good. good. Like, oh, what he's talking about is completely relevant, but um, he'd kind of, I think, through his experiences, um, after doozy wins and things and, and well, doozy canoe marathon is there is like comrades and, and two oceans and others just a lot of uh, traditional media there like SABCs and yeah, those no. presenters don't for the most part know what, what the sport is about and so on so he learned to just yeah, say to what he say needed his to story, say so, yeah. and it was uh, I, can't, I don't know why I haven't thought about that for so long but there you go done if it's a random question just answer it with whatever you want to no, say really. yeah, get stuck in it's a good I was keep that in my pocket for when i get one of those freaking Weird nasty ones. generic ones <laughs> i think a lot of the athletes yeah it's but hasn't necessarily always been something they're used to as you said it's unfamiliar 
Um, and it can be thought of as like it's another thing to now prepare for mm. like the one thing you're physically training but now it's like okay how am I going to present myself after the racing etc how am I going to engage with social media around the event but it's as I've certainly learned over the last while getting stuck into this world if you, you know, if you put in the planning and you just practice getting used to it it soon becomes second nature like personally like dealing with Instagram stuff used to feel like such a hack and such a mission and as I've just like actually get stuck in learn learn about it and and get it uh, to become a a natural fluid thing then when you're at an event it doesn't feel like oh i've got to now think about this 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 because it's just it's become it's second age anyway it's just part of yeah the operational i will thing. say the on the line stuff that you've been doing with the athletes is has kind of forced them out of their shells you've like shaken some trees there with some of your bomb questions even when i'm watching i'm like oh i'm not quite sure this answer is gonna go in the next thing it's the beauty of me not exactly knowing how old the dynamics are coming in with yeah, fun. Like, I mean, we're coming i'm into sure Sony. they'll be fine if i ask something very offensive <laughs> we're coming into sani now at last year's sani was the first time we started to try out this on the line with jason or j-dog and uh yeah a couple of the questions is like we is either gonna end up with j-dog taking a punch to the kneecap or <laughs> <laughs> Jason will missing after day two or yeah. <laughs> yeah. but as you say kudos to the athletes they've certainly started yeah. to have more fun with it it's cool and I think people love seeing it they love seeing the the human side of of all you guys and as you say with Instagram yeah. like you don't want to just see another a product post sure if something's interesting and relevant to someone yeah like for sure if it's maybe something technical about the product you want to speak of um, then that's rad and people might want to see that but yeah seeing the human behind the the athlete that they they watch racing is super cool and I mean we all we all followed tons of people on Instagram that we find inspiring and that we like to see that that side of them yeah is there any, what what part of the sport for you is like gets you ready pumped and stoked that you like to speak about is it the technical side or the the performance the you know, team dynamics I don't even know to be honest I think it's just you just like going fast just a combination of everything <laughs> like the, you can't really well I can't really pinpoint one thing I just it's just, just there's nothing that can um, there's nothing like it so when you're doing it it is the only time you can do it so it's like it's just this feeling like you know you you can only get it at a race when it matters and then doesn't matter how much you train it's you can't get that feeling so i think it's mm. like a feeling that you almost like you just you just want to feel that and then obviously if the race goes shit then it's not ideal but in the moment it's still fine like you it's still a race and you just want to win and you want to just like the tactics i think i think i like the tactics around it a lot that's that's cool to me mm. like also like trying to break your opponents and them trying to break you i just think it's so cool it's like, just like <laughs> i love it <laughs> watching well it that, that's what i wanted to ask next yeah. is like how much of it is like primal because it, <clears throat> yeah, a guy, it is like primal yeah know? yeah i mean that i mean ultimately if it was in the jungle with the spear and an carry, it was pretty real stuff except now you're just on mountain bikes and no one's dying yeah. Exactly. Well, kind speaking. of, yeah. I mean, you're dying slowly, but then you <laughs> can like live on after the event. There's this guy, Jamie Jones, um, in Australia, and he was one of the head rowing coaches for the Australian Four in was it Sydney or London Olympics? When did our boys I think it was su surprise London. everyone and win gold? London. Was it was it London? Or was it Sydney? I can't remember. 
No, it but wasn't when the South Brazil, African four, sorry, wasn't it Brazil? No, no, not Brazil. We had a no. good showing in Brazil too, but it was uh, that where we won by the Aussies were the out and out favourites to win the Coxes uh, four okay. at the Olympics, and he was well the head coach at the time in Australia, um, and he's now family through marriage. He's my sister-in-law's dad, and I was chatting to him about you know Olympic level coach, and I mean that's a lot to, lot to be a part of, um, and I was like. Jamie, how did how did your t- crew not win? And he's like, mate, they just didn't have the mongrel. It's like, what do you mean? He's like, there was no mongrel. Those South African boys had a mongrel, and they let it out. So uh-huh. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, when you get to that start line, you're there, not in the form to do it, but you're there to break that individual and beat them. And that's what the South Africans arrived to do there. So, I mean, I'm goosebumps thinking about that. But for you, when you arrive on the start line, is it as simple as like looking at the lineup and going, I am going to absolutely do my best to obliterate you and hurt you to the point where you're literally going to get blown off my back wheel? Is it like that primal for you? Or are you kind of like... Pretty much what? exactly that. <laughs> that's so like, cool. That's though. a beautiful thing. Because like that, I think that's the thing that you just, you just know that you're there and then like that's all you have to do and... Cause that's it's like all you want to do yeah it's I mean, just there's no better feeling than looking back and seeing the oak suffering or even being on the back foot like it's even fun sometimes because then you like have to think like now how am chase, i gonna yeah. now how am i gonna do this and then sometimes you get back and then you feel better and then you can put them it's it's like such a like the dynamic is just really cool and it's yeah i think when you stop feeling that, then you need to, then it's your time to stop, I think. But 90% of athletes you speak to, they're like, oh no, I'm just going out there today to do my best and, you know, string together a performance without any mistakes. Like, that's why I appreciate, I like, I watch a lot of UFC, not necessarily because I enjoy the full, like, brutal nature of the contact, yeah. but more just because of the, the, like, the psychology of the athletes. They're just very clear and they put themselves out there and for them, it's, they get knocked out and carried out of the ring or choked out or it's you know one on points it's it's brutal and it's most but for the most part i find in like endurance type sports it's athletes go with a safe approach of saying i'm going to do my the best that i can do on the day and yes of course fair enough everyone knows that but do you think that's almost like a a pre-built-in excuse for themselves that that they don't have to face up to perhaps going like i'm here to win yeah i think that that saying is just purely if you're not confident in yourself like i mean if you if you really think you have a good chance of winning then like i get asked a lot and i'm like well i'm here to try win that's like there's no other why why am i here it's why would i Sunday be cruise. here <laughs> but why would you be there Fair. like who wants to go race to to not win really like i've always even when i wasn't able to win can still try like why not try Mm, because i wanted to walk it back from there like you're in the position now when you get to an event like i mean you're an sa champion now marathon you've got that uh that one that one on the belt congrats that was uh that was awesome um i i again kind of it it taps directly into what we're talking about now where i think i saw you yeah and we chatted um we chatted for three seconds while you were riding past me for you slowly for me I was at about 185 beats a minute. Um, and you, you said, it's really my, my race to lose, really. 
And as you rode off, I was like, fuck, that's so refreshing. Yeah. And yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, it was. Like, I I mean, a lot of people don't understand, but from basically the beginning of December to still now, I haven't missed a single day of training. I haven't missed a single session. I haven't gotten sick once. It's pretty much what it what it takes. Mm. You have to that consistency, I mean like a lot of the youngsters don't understand it. it's like yeah, I mean, if you take how many days that it's a lot of days. Yeah. That literally not one thing has gone wrong. Like every session has been done. And is that like a record for you almost in your career? No, that's just pretty much how it goes. It's a standard. With me. It's awesome. And like, I assume that it isn't every day that you want to necessarily go out there. No, there's a lot of days I don't I don't want to train. Like but the thing is, is it's like a it's a catch twenty two because those days you don't want to and then you don't are gonna lead to more days of At not wanting to do it. Yeah. So yeah. if you can just push through that day, you're probably gonna break through and then have like maybe two weeks of feeling fantastic and maybe have one day that you're like, Oh, I really don't want to do this but then you're like, Okay, well it's just this is what I need to do anyway mm-hmm. and it's uh, maybe I'm a bit hard on myself and well not but I have a bit of like a <laughs> like a East Block mentality <laughs> like German <laughs> like it's just like suck it up and don't be a life must be hard I will suffer <laughs> don't be like you know, don't be a sissy just get it done you yeah. know and doesn't always it, the thing is it doesn't work with everyone like Everyone people are different yeah and but balancing that with works. listening to your body I suppose like some days maybe it and your coach, John, I got you. I got you back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never been one to that listen to your body thing. I've never. I just ignore it, to be fair, very honest with you. Stop being weak, body. <laughs> like, uh, if it's, obviously, if it's like, uh, yeah, even excruciating pain, I've ignored. But, well, but to be honest, <laughs> that comes from your motocross background. Yeah, man. I think You're riding with, like, broken bones. You're like, my hand's broken. I can't ride this motocross race. Whatever. Bring the duct tape. Tie me on. <laughs> I think it is, it's a bit, it's maybe a bad thing because like I normally have to have someone tell me like, you are, it's bad, don't, like don't do it. Like if I phone John and I'm like telling him and he's like, but you should really not ride, like this does not sound good. And then I'm like, yeah, but maybe, maybe I'm just being weak and he's, he's normally like, no, like you need to stop. <laughs> but that's only for like, yeah, if if something is seriously wrong yeah so in the world how many people do you listen to can you count them on one hand or yeah easy john (laughs) sometimes my dad that's about it really yeah the missus not going to be no kaylee i don't listen to her (laughs) (laughs) well what what, in what way in terms of like (laughs) unless she's asking what you want for dinner in terms of I make the dinner, so that doesn't even... <laughs> I'm the cook. <laughs> but, I mean, in what context? Like, with training or just general... Generally. General life. Mm. Yeah, you can maybe throw in, like, half a finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you mean, you're at that stage of your career now where you can... I mean, you, you're winning, and you're going in there, and you're looking at Oaks, and you're like, I'm going to hurt you, and I'm going to do my best, and all those good things like you said though you're not i mean people you don't you just don't automatically arrive at being in that position like how did you manage that that process within yourself and knowing that you were there to do your best 
and you were hoping for a win, but it wasn't necessarily all that likely. Because I remember I was watching, was watching yeah. it the other day of when you teamed up with Oli Munich at, at Epic, yeah. your first Epic, and it was Team GoPro, and that yeah, kind of, yeah. you've come such a long way from <laughs> since then. Um, but you've you've always been very deliberate in, in your approach. Like you're just by nature competitive and in, in like the brutal sense of it, where you just want to go out there and and take names. But almost during a time when you couldn't, how did you manage that? Was it quite a tricky one for you to deal with? Like not being able to just go out there and win? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like in cycling, we always say you're going to have way, like 80% of the time you're going to have, you're not going to win or you're not going to have good races. You're only going to win like that maybe 10, 20% of the time, which that is the sad reality of it. And not sad it's just it's something you just have to manage in your in your brain i mean i i've been doing this for a while now and i've had brilliant races i've had great races where i've been strong i've been but also i've had times where i'm completely off the back foot due to maybe injury or just just not being fit enough or not being the right weight and you're just freaking hemorrhaging on climbs or whatever (laughs) but yeah there's i mean a lot of times you are on the back foot and when i think the thing is is when you are in that moment of winning and you can and you've got the confidence you've got the form is just to make the most of it because it's normally a short window as Mm -hmm. most athletes will know and i think a big thing i've seen is a lot of guys will like tick a box let's say like for me marathon champs tick that box and then i actually was thinking to myself the other day it's very easy to back off like i even for me i was like like i've done like i've achieved this goal which i literally put my life on hold for and i was like now what now i actually like why do i need to train mm. like well world champs bro come on yeah but you you don't see that far it's strange like i've never been in that situation really yet until now because and i was like "Ah, i can kind of see how guys fall off once they've achieved that goal and then you kind of just get into this mindset like okay cool like i can go and have a beer or go eat pizza and then it kind of turns into like one week two week Mm -hmm. so yeah it actually was quite interesting i I saw that and then I kind of just like slapped myself around and was like no no bro this is you need to you need to carry on on this wave like yeah. it's here use it until until it ends basically until you I'm gonna have to rest probably in June or July because we've got a lot of racing at the end of the year so use it until I rest and then have to it, build again it's almost like COVID forced people to deal with what you're ultimately talking about now is because and and we see this with like guys like nino Schurter and greg Manon and so many others fascinate me because what is their why like i mean what, there's nothing really left to do let's yeah, face it i mean crazy. apart from nino Schurter winning another world cup and e- equaling or yeah equaling julian absalon's record and maybe pushing one or two past that the the why you're doing it comes to the fore but covid in many cases forced that question on athletes where they're not anywhere close to having achieved their goals anyway it was like well why am i why i'm a professional Mm. cyclist um 
I would say that for someone like yourself, that would probably almost be a good thing because you're facing the question of why you're doing it before you've gotten to the ultimate, like the, the top of your game. Because personally, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a coach, I'm not an expert. But for me, well, how old are you now? 27. Yeah, mate. Like you've got six, seven years of world-class racing left in you. you you're still 20, 30% of your top. I mean, like I said, I'm not an expert. But having dealt with that why now, do you feel it's going to put you in good stead down the line? Yeah, it's. Just, I think, I think so because, like every year, you kind of you either go a little bit forward or backwards, kind of depending on what's happened through your career. And uh, I think if you can just, yeah, if you find what's worked and what's happening, and you can just kind of just keep that going. I mean, there's no reason why you can't. You now it's going to play down to opportunities that mm. come and making the most of those opportunities so within those opportunities are you in a position now or getting to the position in the team i mean apart from nico i would say that you're the senior rider in that team certainly the most powerful in the team are you able to be in a position where you're more selective of the events that you do because like you say at the end of the year i mean if we look at october on its own um i think wines to wells is in october too right and we've got epic and wines to wells um, yeah we've got bergen bush around that time of year um, you've got this whole summer season in Europe of racing and world champs and all that kind of thing. You know, are you in a position to say, okay, these are the, the this is what my focus is and this is what I'm going to stick to because you know racing is the hardest form of training and if you race too much, then you're going to bury yourself. So how do you how do you manage that? Because that can be quite tricky with brands and sponsors sometimes. Yeah, uh, we're very lucky with with the guys at Type Dev Nano Time. I mean, they they super. They don't really care what we race or what we do. It's just they're super relaxed and as long as, I mean, obviously like SA Champs was a big deal, but there's no pressure from them, which is which is really nice. And um, yeah, I get to choose my races. I mean, we all in the team get to. And if like, if I don't want to do Race to the Sun, for instance, I don't have to do it. Like, like you said, there's a few races where like Epic's pretty much the only one that we obligated, well not obligated, but like that's a big deal. Mm. And I think <laughs> it doesn't even matter because, well, it will definitely be there anyway. <laughs> we all want to race that anyway. Yeah. So it's going to be, much. I'm pretty excited. Imagine Epic was at the end of the World Cup cross country season every year as opposed to the beginning. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I saw World Marathon Champs as well as I think a week before Epic starts. Wow. I so, mean, that's. That, do you think already, it's going to really break things wide open? I think it's... it's when is Olympics? I don't even know. <laughs> All these questions. I've got so many questions. No, that that's normally July, August. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, July, yeah. Yeah. July, yeah. Yeah, I believe it's, it's still going, going, yeah. It's going to be very interesting. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, most Europeans are, I mean, they're, they're off already by then so it's going to be interesting to see who actually comes and who doesn't come to the race um yeah i have no idea <laughs> I, th I don't think anyone does it's, it's and, going to be a cool dynamic and also with the change in the point structure of which i don't know too much about either is that it i believe it now doesn't count for for uci cross-country points yeah it's marathon now. so now it's marathon so it's completely different pretty much and for nino and those guys yeah but i do know like a lot of those teams for the sponsors it it's huge, it's huge for yeah. them. Yeah, so the it doesn't matter. 
yeah. they like kind of have to do it yeah. because Look, of the exposure it absolutely. brings. Absolutely, yeah. yeah no, the, the, they are the global benchmark in terms of marathon stage race broadcast, yeah. that's for sure. I mean, when I was at UAE, when I rode for UAE and I was doing Tour of Slovakia, literally, everyone knew me from Epic winning African jersey, the World Tour guys. They're like, oh, yeah, you, you're the mountain bike who won at Epic. Like, that's all they know. They didn't, if I didn't do that, they wouldn't know who I am. It's just they all watch it and they're all like, oh, it's and, a dream. And they saw you racing with an almost broken hip and a broken fore, r- wrist and still coming in the top five and winning the African leader jersey. I'm still thinking back to that. I'm like, yeah, I saw <sighs> some photos of it and I was like, oh, this youngster, if he hadn't fallen off his bike. And didn't you guys get a mechanical on the prologue too? Yeah, that's probably the day that haunts me the most. I think we were up on every split. Oh. And then, yeah, like two Ks to go, we obliterated my wheel completely. It's fun. Unfinished business. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Done. Thinking about Try that. and get racing with Alan again in the future. Yeah. Big move for him. Eh? That must have been, I mean, you guys are really good mates and you do a yeah. lot of your training together when he's here, probably maybe all of your training together. Um, yeah, I guess we talked about in the first podcast, bit of a spanner in the works now that he's off the big S and moved over to, to Cannondale um, for your guys' hopeful plans in, in, in terms of racing as an epic partnership um but do you guys still chat about that kind of thing yeah i mean yeah we it's still obviously we want to we'd love to you never know what happens in the future and stuff but i th- i think both of our plans we would really like to race together again and and have a proper i mean that was obviously we had a good go there but we were also alan's first epic mm. um there's a lot of factors where we know how much better we could have been. Like, we were like shocked how well we did for how actually quite bad the race went. So, yeah, I think we we both just hope that somehow through the universe, through everything, that there'll be a day that we can line up together and hopefully try and get that win for for South Africa. That would be pretty cool. That your your performance at Epic with Matt. Uh, with Matt with Alan was the performance team performance of the race to come back from that that those mechanicals at prologue and the and your the severity of your injuries and your crash mate that was freaking I don't know that that mental toughness and being able to grit through pain has definitely come from your MX days yeah I think I think so I think when you're just in that moment you just it has, this has to be done mm. and well you... not, not according to Sam Gaze <laughs> yeah, I, d- I think it definitely just depends on what type of person and I've always been one that you can't let these opportunity like I'm mm. I'm a big believer well like you, these things like a lot of people will say oh yeah you're, you're young you know you'll get a lot of opportunities that you never never trust never believe that mm. yeah don't take them for granted no yeah. don't just if you get something just take it and do not let go of it until until you have to or until it's finished because yeah i think that's a big thing that you need to to learn in life Mm -hmm. yeah definitely (laughs) like we're riding for specialized and with alan i was like mate i don't care we are finishing this freaking thing and we are getting that jersey i don't give a damn what happens but like luckily if he if yara didn't give me his wheel then we would have yeah so it's 
it's weird all these Very things cool line up yeah yeah <laughs> so we, we we've got uh we've got a three-day 240k i wouldn't say it's an odyssey because you guys ride so damn fast it's over in a heartbeat it seems and one thing that did surprise me, I can't, believe, I can't remember if it was a year or two, it was like probably two or three years ago when I, I was asking some of the pros, might have even been you, and saying that Sani to see is one of the toughest three-day stage races, not because of, of, of like the challenge of it. It's not like nearly as intense as, as the Epics or even Tankers in some respects, but because it's just so fast. Um, are you excited for, for an all-out burn, like head-to-head battle? Um, yeah, it's it's your average speeds on on sony it's it's crazy <laughs> yeah i i mean i've always yeah it is a complete different kind of dynamic it's almost more like a road race in terms of tactics you have to be quite and if you do get away i mean you're having to go full gas like just rotating with your teammate like making sure you're working like you can't you have to rely heavily on your teammate mm. basically like you can't just like send it and then if you if your teammates sucking wheel the whole time you can't get away because the chasing bunch is rotating you need that that rotation help so yeah i think it's that's the coolest part about the race and it's um vessel's never done it so i think that's also i think it suits him really well as well because like he's got he's got good like leg like he can go that high tempo from the road and also on the second day up that what is it called? iconic climb. climb iconic climb i think that's his food and I th- that's pretty much where you can once from there then he just tucks behind me lets me rest a few times to the finish <laughs> and then yeah so i'm actually super keen to race with him yeah man we exceeded we're really excited to see you there was i guess it also makes last year's performance by hat and anu um that much more interesting as well because i mean they they broke everyone on day one they finished day one with like a two-minute lead which is super unusual yeah took, i think we're nico with like 20 k's yeah i think when nico and i raced it uh when we won in 2018 on day one we also got like a three-minute lead so i mean talking we broke to away on that like when it starts climbing in the big blue gums there in the beginning whereabouts in the half hour into the race because it's death climb okay Death no, no death climbs just after Great Oak single track, but it's not called death climb because oh, it's a beast of a climb. Oh, it's, there's climb. a vulture restaurant there, and when you're riding along, you can smell the carcasses of animals. I not, thought it was called view climb. That's a different climb. I don't okay. know where it's like in the rolling. It's like in the forest. It's like these this big. It's like the main. It's like a ten minute climb. Uh, I know exactly where it is. I've you just know. gone blank. Yeah, I know where it is. It's about, I'd say, just beyond halfway yeah. of the day. Yeah, it's uh, after water point two, yes. you do some riding through some great single track, and then yeah, you've got those. It's like a, it's quite a, it's like at least an eight minute or something. Climb. Somewhere around there, just yeah, before, big open road. just before Ngumeni Forest, which is an indigenous forest on day one of Sani. Beautiful. It's home to Cape parrot, um, which is an endangered bird species. Those of you that are interested in bird life. Never seen a Cape parrot in in, uh, in that forest, but I believe they're there. And it, it is KZN too, which confuses Cape, me more, yeah. but they're there. And they're beautiful. Only members of the Western Cape population to leave the Western Cape. Cape to, to go to KZN. <laughs> it is a beautiful forest. But no, that climb's tricky, man. Because yeah. you come out of, out of, I'd say it's about a two to three K section of um, single track that Andrew Houston... Uh, Oh, and then we drop onto the road here. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yes, that's it, yeah. yeah. Andrew Hart. And, huh? Isn't it OG's? Might track? be OG's, yeah. yeah, yeah between be OG's and, and, yeah. uh, 
and Andrew, they've built some it's banger berms yeah. in there now. It is so fast. And then you come out and you're like all high on adrenaline and then you're like, what is this climbing? You're just going to gas it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been changing house to you just about tuning the motorbike a bit so we can keep up with Matt this year. On the descent, yeah. No, on the ups. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, no, jeepers. No. Right, it's going to be a proper high speed race to, to try and broadcast. Yeah, we've got some inside scoop here. I don't know if we're going to get in trouble for saying this because we, we know. But now you know. You might already know, but um, Matthias and Gert have teamed up for the race. It's not going to be Matthias and Phil. Oh uh, yeah. I've so that's that's going to be quite a banger. Have they have they raced much together? I don't think they've raced together since. Well, they couldn't have since Gert has joined. So yeah. No, they're they're going to be f- super strong. They're going to be, I think, the main guys to watch for sure. And obviously the Mbuko guys are also going super well. Marco and Rudy are racing. And Insect Science as well. And uh, DSV, the, they're all... They're all strong. Also on that type of terrain, like, hmm. you know, if they rotate as a group, if they work together as a group, you, you're in a, it's bit, be hard to get in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's going to... I think I think You're going to have to try and isolate. The guys will, will, will tune me when we get to the race. It's fine. Um, but it's, uh, I think they, they, I mean, they're still very much, I mean, they're the youngsters of, of the bunch, um, into, uh, like outside of you guys as the established races. Like, I feel that they still need just a little bit more learning needs to happen from their side to perfect, to perfect their race craft. The Buko. Like, they are, but Buko, okay, yeah. even DSV to a degree, mm. um, insect science i mean they've definitely the next gen and they're exciting to watch i mean i loved it last year when the insect science lads really like tried their best and were there and making the racing interesting it's uh hopefully one of them can get a breakthrough this year mm. but talking back to to what you were saying earlier in in your approach you know you're you're very you know you and vessel are very different people by nature um and that's i mean i'm not good mates with vessel i know you a lot a lot more um, than I know Vessel, but he comes across as someone that's super capable on the bike, has the ability to dig deep and like do what needs to be done, but he's introverted in that process and he doesn't seem to just have that mongrel we were talking about in, earlier, like that killer instinct. You're obviously the, the captain of that team. How do you manage that difference in like personalities? Yeah, he's obviously he's an extremely talented youngster and I think everyone can see that. Yeah. Um, he came to cycling late. I think he only started when he was like 17 or something. So he's progressed a, a ton. And yeah, he's a super quiet kid and keeps to his own and he lets his legs do the talking most of the time. And um, yeah, I think he enjoys racing with me because I'm the one who basically just tells him what to do and he he doesn't mind that like he likes to like he likes to have a wheel to that he knows okay like we're gonna go now and we don't have to talk he knows like he can see from my body language like okay we're gonna go now and i can see from him okay he's going strong we need a freaking so we just have this like really good through wines to whales you know winning those and um we have a good understanding for each other and I know exactly where he's going to be suffering and he knows where I'm going to be suffering maybe on the super steep stuff Matt Pierce doesn't suffer no there's <laughs> there's moments definitely um, and he's calm that's I think that's the main thing he he never panics so like I think that's the key 
for us is that both of us don't really panic if there's a I panic more if anything because I I can't let it happen but I feel responsible most of the time but yeah we have a we have a good friendship and um he's he's a lot he's obviously more open with me like of course obviously because he's comfortable but he's getting there and I think he um I think there's a lot of big things to come from him in the future for sure yeah, he's definitely one of the most exciting prospects to be coming up through the rank. There's a good little squad at the moment, yeah. eh? Yeah, there's a there's some really good kids, youngsters coming through, which is breath of fresh air. I mean, if you look at the road scene, it's an absolute shit show. I mean, and mm. they raced at SA Champs, and they also just... No one's willing to race properly. Like, obviously, it's a big race, and you have to save your pennies and blah, blah, blah. But, like, yeah, it doesn't... You have to, you have to gun it there. Do you think it's a? I would say it's. Look, and this is a gross generalization, but it's something that I've observed from the sidelines again. So I'm not an authority on this, and probably not qualified to comment on it. But from observing on the sidelines for a number of years now, it's like it's almost South Africans in non-mainstream sports, sportive spaces, in in many cases guys and and girls are just happy to be kind of focused on domestic racing seasons and what's happening and being the best in South Africa they don't have you know the intention to to try and be the best in the world um I wonder why that is is it is it because the thought of trying to be the best in the world is too intimidating you know is the is a national being the best in, in the country enough and if it is then that's cool too i'm not i'm not saying this from a critical point of view it's more of an observation mm. um but i find that the, the the issue for me comes in where that starts to become a trend so the the youngsters that are coming there's no one that's kind of plotted the path or leading the way we're seeing more and more i mean mm. like the likes of yourself and the burries and the allens and the greg Minars and there's like there's yeah. more more people coming through now but they're very much like shooting stars out of a fairly big pool mm. um and that's like that almost mediocre not mediocre mindset but that that like national mindset is the pinnacle of what this is about is it can it can be pretty corruptive at times you know with like the youngsters looking at and instead of looking at local heroes they're now looking abroad to being like oh, like nino Scherter is my inspiration or mm. yeah i, I think know. it's basically it boils that the problem is is funding for we don't have the riders don't have the support to go overseas like full stop like where are you going to find the money to that, that's so interesting like, though because when i was chatting with dan hespeler who's the team manager of cannondale factory racing and I, I was speaking to him about yeah. this and trying to unpack it a bit more and understanding like the difference between the south african mindset and german and swiss and so on like these consistent performers as yeah. nations and the differences on how they go about doing things. Do they have these sportive structures? Do they have these sponsorship structures and team structures? And you're saying, no, absolutely not. Definitely not in Germany. Yeah. It's where, you know, it's each for their own and they grovel the same. It's it's like, I mean, mm. using you as an example, using Matt as an example, you've had as much uncertainty in your career and yeah. as, ma- as many challenges as anyone else. But what's made you different from others in terms of actually getting there? I think it's here man it's 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 the mental fortitude of being able to take that risk on yourself and ultimately being accepting of the outcome whatever it may be like take the risk on yourself yeah i think it a lot of it is 
it's opportunity mm-hmm. and a lot of it is unfortunately as we know is who you know and it's not all that but it you definitely need people it's the same in europe the same in the world tour same yeah, and you need you need, you need to know court. people that know people to get you into those places mm. and it does boil down to a lot of that even if you maybe not as good as the next guy you might just get that because you're a little bit more connected so mm. i think that obviously is a ma- thing that we lack is the connection to speak to these bigger teams and try and like get a a thing then obviously getting to europe is the problem yeah like being in germany you've got a head start on you've got a head start. of course yeah, yeah. and so again like i'm like just qualifying but you games. do definitely like yeah once when you when you're in SA, your level is SA. like that that is a that is a big thing and you're comparing yourself against the best here and not the best there mm. and i think yeah that's probably what you're trying to trying to get to is like i compare myself to alan Yes, uh, but like the, he, the, what I'm getting yeah. at is those is is how a few people have made that leap. Oh yeah. So and and having the desire to do what it takes to make that leap and to take the risk. I mean, someone for me that I have a huge amount of respect for, and and he's not necessarily gone over there and shot the lights out. Mm. I mean, is Porti. If you look at Porti's career, Porti is on a professional global downhill team. He still is when he's for the most part semi-retired from racing downhill. But you, 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 and we again, we've done a podcast with him and listening to his journey. Yeah. He was prepared to do what it took to take the risk of at least being out there so that he had the possibility of being seen to get to where he is now. Yeah, paying his way, not waiting for a, yeah. And and he's not necessarily done that by stringing together these stunning results where everyone's like, who's this Pitcock guy? What? (laughs) <laughs> no, oh, the young, oh, Tom, oh, Tom, Tom, Tom yeah. Pitcock this weekend in, in the cross country or last weekend in the cross country event those of you that didn't watch it in Alpstadt went from the 11th row into ultimately 6th right yeah okay. I mean what a, what a performance but Porti got himself there he was he was like same as your approach I'll be damned if I'm not going to finish this epic it's almost that same yeah. mongrel mentality that you need to take to push yourself to get over there yeah, you have to also bet on yourself a little bit. I think yeah. you can't just wait for a. You can't wait for, for someone spoon. to know someone. Yeah, to no, you have no for sure. You have to be willing to put down your own money. Like I with the UAE, I put. I accepted the fact I'm not going to get paid for three months salary. Mm. I was like, cool. I terminated my contract here, and I went for it. I lived from savings and stuff and didn't work exactly but but that was in kind of that was in a reflection of something you didn't or didn't do i mean no no it's just that your performances there were great the team loved you it was more timing thing than exactly but the thing is is like if i didn't take that where maybe things would be different and that yeah like you just have to i think invest in yourself a lot of these guys are not willing to do that obviously yeah it's scary oh shit you in europe don't know anyone you don't know it's obviously money is always a scary thing for everyone but at the end of the day it is just it is just money and And what are you going to do when you die and then it's it counts for next anyway you're going to be like oh cool that was good i'm glad i saved that (laughs) obviously if you need to be a little bit 
you know responsible at some you are point. responsible with it but it's just that you need to also think like shit just let's just buy a plane ticket and get to europe and at least just put yourself out there like putty is putty did he just probably bought a one-way ticket and was like 100 percent he was that he made the call and 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 i mean those of you that are listening in that are perhaps like youngsters that are wanting to make it a question i always ask myself whether you're an athlete or a business person or you're an entrepreneur whatever however you categorize yourself there's actually no difference when it comes down to the baseline of it all you're gonna have to make tough calls you're gonna have to take risk on yourself because ultimately the question you need to ask yourself is why would anyone else in the world take risk on you if you're not willing to take risk on yourself so if i'm and 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 this was one of the major questions i used to ask myself in my red bull days of whether we should or shouldn't sponsor a person an event or whatever it was is this person needs to show me that they're willing to do what it takes and commit and take that risk themselves for them to be worthy of a brand taking a risk on them and it's it's a confronting question to ask yourself as an athlete as an entrepreneur as a businessman but that's ultimately what gives people the confidence in backing you in that they know that if you are prepared to take that risk yourself, when you've got the added responsibility of having someone else hooked to the, their trailer to yours, that you're going to take it seriously and respect it. Yeah. Um, and there are very few athletes that do, that do, that do get that right. Um, you've gotten it right. You're in the process of growing through that journey. Um, but I feel that that's, you know... <clears throat> It's something that a lot of a lot of a lot of people miss, and it's not something that people really talk about because it is kind of awkward, like, and it's yeah. pretty confronting, to. But it's it needs to be said. Answer answer yeah. that question in the beginning of your career, and the rest will fall into place because you'll establish pretty quickly whether you're actually in this or not. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I think it helped me with. Obviously, I went to America when I was young, so and that, seventeen years old, and then you, you obviously had backing from my parents but it's still daunting 17 years old and you you don't even know how to do anything mm-hmm. and you're there on your own and i think those type of experiences definitely help in your the greater mm. path of your life yeah and value those sponsors <laughs> as your parents yeah, are because yeah. that's where yeah. look let's be honest we've all been there and mm-hmm. you know without our exactly. parents getting there in the beginning it's it's really uh it is quite a well, it's, it's still a daunting journey, but without them as that seed capital, it's really tough. And again, whether that's as an entrepreneur or a sportsman. Yeah, or, exactly. My point is, I guess, overall is don't give up. Don't think that by moving away from a, being a professional sportsman and moving into a career in a corporate environment or becoming an entrepreneur is going to be any easier. No. You're going to be faced with similar challenges. They're just going to be a different flavor. So it's about choosing, exactly. choosing what's going to ultimately stoke you out. And when you're lying there one day, you're going to be like, yes, I'm glad I yeah that a go exactly yeah it's really cool so we've uh we want to jump back or well, i want to jump back a little bit to this sa champs because it was a an unusual sa marathon champs in the sense that there was just from what we saw a lot of single track and a lot of climbing where typically marathon events especially in years past and on the european world champs courses have been pretty open in terms of like lots of room to pass and bunch riding but that certainly wasn't the case what is the i mean at, at this sa champs strong field one that you were obviously confident of, of of the fact that you could put some hurt into them um interesting race for you everything go i mean you got the win but did it go to plan yeah it's 
it was a lucky I pre-rode the course and things like that well a lot of the guys did and um, yeah I think it was actually quite a tricky one on what to do really for that for that race and um, like you said there was a lot of single track in the first I think like 25 k's it was just yeah there was a ton of it we hit the obviously that we hit the first climb and that I knew that would split up a lot of the race and was that um, the wall yeah the wall was it quite steep yeah, not it was a wall. It was a wall. <laughs> and you I said think you're not steep. Isn't your strength? Steep stuff isn't necessarily your strength. It's not, but I think I knew that you're able I to ride that, up steep yeah, things. I'm sure I'm able to do it, <laughs> um, and well, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure you hold the climb up to the mast and most other big climbs on the yeah. Cap. But that's also switchbacking an extra large bike is also not the old farm gate it's not a vibe <laughs> so i was a little bit stressed so my main concern was getting into that thing first because i know like anyone knows when you're in a switchback situation many switchback the yo-yo effect is not funny like when you're the 10th guy mm. probably gonna be close to unclipping or unclipping and then having to chase like that that elastic so i knew that to me was a the, the most important thing was to get into that thing first as it starts hitting those switchbacks you just start sprinting out of them and just freaking yo-yoing the shit just out breaking of them and then I saw and I was just like these oaks are hemorrhaging they're unclipping and I was just like okay cool so when, when you Done. see that yeah, are you like quietly shows. like <laughs> yes no no I had a I knew I was like I looked down and I was like oh, no these boys it's done <laughs> <laughs> because you can't I know how you can't get back yeah, I know I've been in that much, situation yeah. and everyone was that's the racing we yeah. did a 9k like also like a lot of twists and turns like single track and all the guys were just fighting like using all their energy on that and I was like mate we only hit the climb yet so I just hung back came around them on the damn wall just sent it used my momentum didn't even have to pedal up this kick and then just just left and then they all had to chase so they were already in the red from i don't know why they were trying to get to the front anyway but <laughs> they're all in the red already and i was just chilling at the back and then so when i got to the climb i could just open it up and then that's what i did and Smart I, saw, racing. I saw no one came well, Khat was with me, and then I could tell he was suffering, and then he dropped off, and then... Were you, are you suffering when you're doing that? Yeah. Okay, no, just checking. Was, <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask Because no, I was just riding my bike up the wall, and, and, and Khat <laughs> was suffering. I'm also <laughs> dying. Like, you're thinking, like, I can't really hold this much longer, but... So what are you, what are your heart, what's your heart rate? Is that max there? Do you go max on those scenarios, or do you kind yeah, of... Yeah, that was max, I think. <laughs> but What is that? Probably, I think it was, like just under 190 oh it's horrible that but Burns like so much yeah. yeah you're like you're completely like this sucks and like it's super super hard but then you you know behind you it's if if it's not he would have come around you already so then eventually had lost the wheel and he's like kind of had to just sit up a bit and then i was like shit I mean, it's 80 k's. Yeah, that's 70 left, 75. And so, do you do you do you know your body well enough to know that you have five of those max heart rate moments in a race in your pocket, or you like five yeah, or three or much, eight? Or I knew I, if I 
like obviously playing them all without blowing yeah like i i know what what's that i can sustain and so i pretty much just use my power meter and i was like okay i know the course and i was like it's all single track so no one can chase me as well like no there's no bunch there's literally mm. no one could ride in a bunch so i was like whatever they're doing i just have to match it now and we gonna, the gap's not going to come close or i just go a little bit or a lot harder on the climbs and it's to I'm extend, a, yeah. eventually i'm going to automatically get a gap so that was my my logic is to smash the climbs keep a constant everywhere consistent and then i knew like frick it's like just like riding on your own so and we all know when that elastic snaps <laughs> i mean also the big thing was is that out of sight out of mind mm. is that, that a lot of that course was i could get just a minute you wouldn't be able to see me and that mm. is as a rider and i know from seeing and being beaten by guys is when you can't see the guy you have no references mm -hmm. to how far if he's a minute or if he's two minutes three minutes so i knew that worked in my favor the whole race so that's why and yeah i just i knew the highest point of the race was top of pole there and i was like if i can get over that with at least like three or four or two minutes it's pretty much i'm gonna have to really do something stupid too <laughs> yeah to either puncher away. or blow completely to to not win mm. so yeah that was pretty much my game plan well i had to slightly change it because initially i was going to ride with a bunch or like with a select group to the basically the bottom of the main big climb and then get like attack and then get a gap but then the opportunity you have to be able to adapt to the different situations i think and take the opportunity as well when it comes yeah and i mean learnings from that race and then when you're heading over to a world champs now for example and the reality is there where you've been able to to recover somewhat on the flats um or you know your approach there smash the climbs recover on the flats or at least maintain a certain power output to to not allow them to come back a situation like that might not unfold at a world champs because now instead of being out there with a gap you're now part of a group of 10 how do you how do you shift your preparation for that because it's not just your physiological preparation i'd say it's your mental one too because you don't surely you don't want to be like we we, re, we talked about it earlier on with matthew van der Poel and um and enrique avancini like at the front of this world first world cup at, in, in albstadt just going absolutely nuts off the front and then dying and coming like well still top 10 not bad but not what they were how, how do you like tactically now that that's quite a big change of of pace for you because like how do you know when to you know is this the gap how do like how do you unpack that because it's in the moment it's not like yeah there's any pre-planning you can do yeah i think that boils down to your obviously nutrition strategy is a huge part of it and then as well just being within that limit of your what you know you're capable of mm. i think that's especially like on that race like the first hour and a half you could i mean you can go way harder the thing is is finding that line between going hard enough to get small gaps but then not into that red zone where you're going to feel it within two hours time you're going to be completely riding over your limit so i think 
that's something that you have to just assess kind of on the fly mm. and um yeah that all that comes down to is just years of doing it there experience and, and race craft. and also not getting it right and yeah doing it wrong and then yeah. blowing completely at three hours because that can easily happen yeah and um yeah if i went geez, only probably like five percent more i would have completely just blown at the top of that climb and they probably would have caught me wow it's, so you have the, to really, the margins are the, the percentages yeah, are that fine pretty much yeah so you really have to be in tune with your with your body as well and mm. like i was saying to jason like i'm not good at listening to it which is sometimes a problem in those scenarios where mm. you just like you just like oh block it out block it out <laughs> but, then, keep hammering. <laughs> but then you're like oh shit okay now I've everything's gone that, so. that being said though have you ever had a moment where you're like i need to go now with this break or and and you've and you've surprised your body surprised you you've been like whoa i did not expect this like leap to come from my body i didn't know it was within me or do you find that now that you're at this like advanced stage of your of your physiological capacity that you like those breakthroughs of the like the five percent gains or the ten percent games are now like more the incremental one percenters here and there yeah i think I think definitely when I was starting out, there would be those moments where you're like, geez, I didn't know I could do that. But now you pretty much know what you're capable of. Mm. I mean, most race or we train enough to know, okay, like I can't really go much off. <laughs> You've touched the limits and you yeah. know where they are. <laughs> you know where your limits are because I think you are more at the limit of your physical capability mm. as like, like kind of probably as a human, I guess. Yeah like you get closer to you bridge that gap slowly and when you younger and you don't have that you every now and then your body surprise it gives you a little gift and then you can, <laughs> you can you can smash a lot more than you think and you're like oh shit that was cool and then but yeah, it doesn't really come that often that's that's what keeps you hooked it's like mm, that one perfect much, golf yeah. shot you hit you're like oh this is so amazing and then the next 50 are horrendous yeah that's pretty much how racing is like yeah but yeah, there definitely are points in the race where you can be cramping and feel like you're gonna die, and then maybe like an hour later, you you just Come freaking out. ripping legs off. It it happens a lot. Never happened to me. <laughs> in on the bike or in the boat. <laughs> I think that's the cool thing about marathon racing is that mm. and road racing is that you can. That can happen, like cross country and you know sprint type events. I mean. If you're on the back foot, you yeah, much easier to just blow. No, you yeah, you can't come back from it. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's the cool thing with marathon. You kind of get these second chances to win within the race. So you can have like three chances that have been taken away and come back mm. like three times in just one race. Yeah. So I think managing that is pretty much how you can separate yourself. So we've got, uh, so based on chat so far, we've got three big, well, three big goals. I'm going to assume Sani's a priority, obviously. Yeah. You're here in racing this week. Very excited about that. Um, World Marathon Champs, definitely. Focus? Uh, Not so much? Yeah, we're going to have to, obviously getting there mm. is the question. Yeah. But we're, we're definitely going to try if it's, whether it's a GoFundMe or whatever, we'll try and make it happen for sure. A lot of people asking about your international plans on the season. Is anything aside from from world marathons? Um, maybe Exo Worlds as well. Right. Um, that that is a possibility. 
So if we can get over for those two, I think that would be cool. What what in terms of your training, how much would you have to adapt it to be able to be in good shape for an XEO? Because I mean, it's quite a transition, I'd imagine. Yeah, XEO, we would obviously tame down like the volume and do yeah. a bit more like explosive. Like, how long does it take your body to adjust there? Like two, three months? I don't know. No, not that long. Probably like, well, optimal. Probably like at least two two months, just okay. to like dial in quite a few good sessions of like short, high intensity, like maybe some simulations, like mm -hmm. XEO simulations, and then marathon worlds. You would also at least like a good two months to just get that little bit upper endurance and like you depending on the course if it's massive like long twin like hour climbs you would more focus on like that like sustained ftp effort and not you don't really need to do like sprints for instance so yeah it's not not too much changes but it does to fine-tune it yeah like the overall base is kind of the same similar, but yeah. just fine-tuning to that sp specific discipline i think well that's the main thing with alan he obviously is fine-tuned xco to that is what he does and with me i'm obviously more overall well like i do road you do it all. whatever yeah but that's the only reason that is is because of the climate yeah pays of where the my team is and yeah if i could have a you know international teams say you we only want you to do marathon it, like freaking marathon world that's all we want then it would change slightly my training and focus but at the moment you just do what you can and it doesn't play too i think it almost helps sometimes like fun to pull on them but i think when you do finally focus on a complete discipline i think you can get just that little bit better yeah obviously without a doubt yeah yeah for sure and uh, outside of worlds and and a marathon and, and xeo if that if that's a possibility i would imagine that the the race at the end of the year or october would be would be epic have you decided on teams or, or how that's going to work would you look outside of the pool of your current team if you're looking for beyond absa leader jersey african leader jersey um, no i mean for now it's Fessel and myself racing and um yeah there's I don't even think Specialized is actually coming to race at all. Oh, wow. Um, they're pretty much, I think, Jordan Soro and um, Kirsch Barmer. I don't think they want to do Epic. I don't think it's something they care about, to be honest. I may be wrong. I may be quite saying this, but... That would, that would be a, a strange Epic, not having the big S there. Yeah, with but the, as far as, as, as I know, it's not. With. But if, obviously, things can change. I yeah. mean, I don't know, maybe... They've maybe Kulhavi comes in, but yeah, for now, Vessel and I, and yeah, that's pretty much, but a lot can change. If, yeah. If the race even happens, we'll see. Holding thumbs, eh? <laughs> yeah. So we, we uh, as you mentioned much earlier in the show, um, we asked the listeners of, or the followers on our Instagram channels if they had any questions for Matt, and they had lots. Yeah. But J-Dog's <laughs> got a couple of them lined up here. Yeah, no, tons of tons of questions came in, and I think quite a few of them were answered uh, throughout the um, throughout the course of the conversation. A lot about your international uh, plans, etc. Um, there are some some good ones in there, though. Um, kick off with uh, how much cuck do you give your coach on the daily from your coach? 
<laughs> he knows none. <laughs> I only contact him very rarely, I would say. Or he contacts me telling me that I must listen to the program more <laughs> and not do more riding. Not overcook. <laughs> I think that's what he means by the question is you don't necessarily give him cuck by talking to him. You give him cuck by uploading, oh. uploading oh, training yeah. sessions where Maybe he's like, actually, why are you overtraining, Matt? Why Maybe that is, yeah. <laughs> the well, question did come day. in from John Wakefield himself. So. <laughs> then every day, pretty much. Every time he opens training peaks. <laughs> <laughs> How many sessions today? How many hours this week? <laughs> Calm down, Matthew. <laughs> how did you? How do you manage your motivation? I know you spoke a lot about in the racing scenario itself. It's like that that fight fight instinct. But outside of racing, is that when you're training? Does that feed into the the training motivation? Yeah, I think just I just hate being like not prepared. So. I think that's my motivation is just not like knowing you're not at your best it's just a it's just a not a great feeling and especially when you're racing like <laughs> when you're suffering and you, you're just hanging on for dear life like that's I just hate that so much and I think that's probably my main motivation mm. to be honest it's just to not feel that and then you just gotta love the the sport and riding your bike yeah. purely I mean right. yeah and ticking the box probably like when you see a session a hard session and then you you complete it that feeling is like a sense of accomplishment yeah, like yeah. that that box tick I had that once <laughs> it's a great one <laughs> but a lot of that Zwift during the, the hard <laughs> lockdown it is, a, it is a good feeling there was a lot of Zwifting in the bull house yeah, in Joburg way too much way too much lycra it was dark times complete side note but uh, J-Dog's dad Vince did the entire Joburg to see <laughs> on the stationary bike during Jeez. lockdown nine days in a row yeah. zwifting Joe Big to see can you believe it Mad the distance man. of each each day yeah. you try to get the climbing in as well yeah. that is mental mental nice <laughs> <laughs> uh, <last> one dad <laughs> uh, another question coming in are you going to beat Alan Hatley I mean I've tried many times and have I ever succeeded no, I don't think so. <laughs> I do beat him in training sessions, though, sometimes. Like, claim it. <laughs> that's pretty much the only place I can beat him is on a training session. But um, we'll see. We'll have to duel it out when he comes back from Europe. It's yeah. going to be a tall order, but... No, I'm sure you've got a good go. target on his back when he, when you guys he do knows, line up He together. knows I'm coming. He knows I want to. How do you think he transitions to, like, stepping it up? I mean, this, this last weekend... It, I mean that was a really solid performance from him. He's just I think he just he just knows exactly what he wants and what he needs to do and um he's obviously a freak <laughs> of nature. Like we all semi freaks of course. Like you can't do this of just being average person. Like we definitely have something physiologically different. And yeah, Alan, I mean, he's, he races, I don't think anyone can race smarter than that guy. Like he is honestly, he, the way he can read a race and know when to go. And it's just something you can't even, mm. like, you can't even get it off of experience. Like it's just something you have or you don't. Instinct. Instinct. Yeah. It's just pure. And that's what he has. 
I mean, you can see he just know he gets the right place, right time, every time. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing more you can say. Yeah, stoked for him. It's really cool. Pineapple on the pizza, and Tristan or Kia want to know about your your dietary habits around racing. What are you eating before race day and on race day, and do you take any supplements aside from the just normal food intake? So what is pineapple on pizza? Pineapple on pizza is the person you asked. That's uh, a person. Oh, that's well, a person. the answer to that question, if it was, is never put pineapple <laughs> on a pizza. No, no, I'm, I love it. Are you joking? No. Jeez, that's sacrilege. Doug, that's why you're not, that's why you're not out there wacky. That's what I'm doing wrong. I'm having to almost cut the <laughs> salami and put it. No, Dude, bro. That thing is cement, bro. I'm with Jeez. beers on this one. Are you? Yeah. Damn you guys. I'm sorry. But, um, <laughs> food, um, I don't know. I don't eat a lot, which is... My girlfriend's always giving me nonsense because I actually don't eat a lot for a big guy. I don't. Well, that's because you know what your perfect weight r- yeah, versus output, like performance ratio is. Like you can't, because you're a tall lad. Exactly. It's like even more important for you. That's my. So that's my big problem. Is obviously I'm my frame is big, and I can weigh 95 kilos and Easily. not look. No, if you weighed 95, you'd not a chance. You'd look terrifying. You'd look like you should be a but center I have to weigh, spring box. <laughs> I have to weigh 80, which is being 1.96 meters is not is not easy. No. So, so, yeah, I have to be quite strict on what I eat and limited quite a lot. But so I like, know, but eat. to function though, like I mean, calorie intake is so important. How do you find that balance where you're just not like lethargic and dead? I think I'm on the limit most days. Like. <sighs> Do you ever have moments where you're just like hyperglycemic, grumpy as hell, just like, I need food? If Kaylee could answer this now, she would love it. I think I'm pretty much 90% (laughs) in that state (laughs) half my life. uh, It's it's a little bit, but like I feel it massive. If Mm. I'm two or three kgs overweight, it's so easy for me to put that on as well. Um, Yeah, I freaking absolutely suffer man on the climb so i don't even know what was it what is what food do i eat yeah like race day chow race day Mm, toast i remember you said yeah toast toast with jam and cheese i adopted that since it's good man yeah like a marmalade or something Mm. can't beat it wheat picks i don't know like i found that wheat (laughs) picks actually work bloody well with like a banana Mm. that's like works I won't all the dietitians sitting out there going what is he doing (laughs) (laughs) like muesli I'm not not a fan of that stuff just goes through me like I'll bonk within an hour and then oats is just terrible also I bonk if I eat that it's pretty light nutrition calorie wise pretty light Mm. food yeah I don't know you figure these things out I think as you go everyone's different and then um, supplements no I don't take a single no like protein like recovery shake maybe if I have it in my cupboard and then I don't if I'm I haven't ordered from Nico then or sponsored then I don't I just leave it I don't care <laughs> I don't take anything else maybe that's where the other 5% lies man Jeez, at least protein so important that's sure I normally just kind of plan Eat my ride to finish as like normally I finish riding by like 12 and I just 
munch lunch immediately. There we go. So would you up would you up your intake there to kind of cover? Because that's ultimately what it is. is yeah, yeah. Post, that, post then pro. I would try. Yeah. yeah. But if I finish really early riding, if I ride early, then I'll yeah definitely have something like. A, so like even in a race scenario where you've got a bit of time because you like come across the line, like for example, nights on, you come across the line. There's a bit yeah, of time like have, getting down to your camper. Yeah, we have protein shake or something. Yeah. yeah. Just if that first thirty yeah. minutes so important. Exactly. Mr. No Days Off and Greg Lawson want to know your FTP and your max power output. FTP is four, I think it's 470. Um, and max. It's hefty. What is like max? Like sprint? What's your peak? Yeah. Peak. Yeah, peak power. Like only like 1,500. Right. It's not that much, actually. I'm not, I haven't got like a super explosive. Like that's whatever fast you, twitch really. You're a tall lad. It's a lot I of levers. I think it's a leg speed. It's a leg speed. Yeah, that's a problem. Tall lad, yeah. And also haven't got like monster muscle mass, like a sprinter. <laughs> maybe you should. Maybe you should eat a little more and become a sprinter. Just like hang on the like edges of the peloton for like most of the days and then just come through no, that, and that smash everyone. No, I don't even think it would matter. I think I'd just freaking be heavier and then still just sprint slow. <laughs> a lot of self-love going on there. Uh, Tyler Flanagan asked would you be keen to try a local enduro or downhill event we know you you showed face at the Quantis enduro and got a top 20 there I mean a, enduro is cool downhill I, I don't know about that that maybe that's a little bit too gnarly but yeah, Enduro, why not? I mean, none of the downhill tracks Oaks Race in South Africa are any harder than what you would have raced at the Enduro. Probably, yeah. I was actually thinking it's that It's just now. the kind of the intensity you make, you push yourself because you now have learned the track from practice or haven't learned it well enough from practice. You, I speak from experience, you just overcook it in your race track. Yeah, like <laughs> unless you spent, unless well, you're riding... on Enduro. That was on downhill. Oh, downhill, downhill yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, because Enduro, like you'd go out to Contamines, like you did the pre-race, you ride one or two trails and you kind of know what's going on, but you don't know, like in Tukai where we ride every day, you know all the cheat lines and the inside court lines and yeah, yeah. Where you can like where you go really there. Open it up, yeah. yeah, there you kind of, you're almost racing at 85% as your limit because you actually don't know what to expect at that speed where downhill, as you said, you've laid down five, six laps, you know, or yeah. like you're just... And then if you bail, it's consequence. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we hopefully look forward to seeing you at another Enduro on a, yeah. on a big rig. Looking yeah, dangerous. A big rig. We'll, we'll organize one for you if you can't get a big rig for you. We'll, we'll, we can put stickers over the, over the bike brand if we have to. But <laughs> Just write to our Koki. Yeah. Specialized. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. final question coming in from Adrian Lowe. Have you oh, considered yeah. uh, running power for ESCOM? I would if they weren't corrupt. <laughs> so just plug your your watt bike into the into, into the, the mains. <laughs> I'd have to. I'd do, if I if I did that, I'd do a Zwift and then put my weight down to like sixty. Sixty. <laughs> <laughs> Zwift doping. Good everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been uh, a really cool chat, Matt. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're looking at your watch now because it is five p.m. and uh, my stomach's grumbling. So no doubt yours is as well. J Dog, your stomach's always grumbling. Yeah, I do be hungry. St standard, <laughs> standard, uh, standard day in the life of J Dog. It's starting to look really great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, good luck. Good luck for Sony, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I was, I was lucky to chat. And it's always nice doing these like light-hearted 
Just conversations. You're going to have to nudge, nudge Vessel on the ribs when we're trying to interview him on the line. No, Vessel. Get him to chirp if up. If he listens, yeah, we need to do some training with you. <laughs> He'll come out of his skin, slowly but surely. His skin or his shell? Both. Uh, <laughs> Both. Yeah. Skin when Matt's dragging it yeah. to finish and hopefully comes out of his shell when a camera's pointing. Yeah, but him. thanks and I'm excited to race Sonny and see you guys there. So once again, if you want to listen to the story of Matt and where his love for racing mountain bikes started, head on over to season one and you can catch up with uh, with all of that. It really is an interesting story, his journey through motocross, serious injury and ultimately becoming a mountain bike racer through cycling, becoming a big part of his recovery to, to get back on an MX bike and then he just fell in love. So here he is, still racing mountain bikes. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the episode. J-Dog, good job today, man fun chats even with the marathon guys i can still pretend like i know what's going on (laughs) cool man we'll catch you for the next one cheers everyone